Welcome to the Credible Nerds Podcast. We provide news, commentary, and reviews for all types of nerds, from the hardcore to the casual. What's up, my nerds? Welcome, everyone, to the Credible Nerds Podcast. My name is Justin, and I'm here with my fellow hosts, Mark and Harry. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Good to be here. Um, excited to talk some D&D. Yeah. Very excited to be here. Yeah. And we will be talking about, uh, like Mark alluded to, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, the movie that came out uh, last week uh, at the end of the end of March, right? Or beginning of April, yeah, end of March, and we all went and saw it in theaters, and from what I can tell, we all liked it, so we'll get into it and talk about what we liked, perhaps what we didn't like, if there was anything, I'm sure there was, and just kind of general story and how it relates to the game Dungeons and Dragons. It's been around since 1974, I want to say. Does that sound about right for you guys? Has it been that long? It has. 48 years? I should know because I was two at the time. So, and I was playing. <laughs> I was playing at two or three. <laughs> no. Uh, but it's been around for a while. And back in the day, it was the nerdy thing, right? Maybe it still is a little bit. There's still that connotation to it. But only nerds played Dungeons & Dragons. Well, guess what? We're the Credible Nerds Podcast. That's what we do. We're going to be talking about nerdy stuff specifically in this episode of Dungeons and Dragons. So thanks everyone for joining us. Definitely subscribe to our podcast, our YouTube channel, like the videos, comment on the videos. It gets us, you know, uh, the algorithms going for us and helps us out. It doesn't cost you anything and it helps us out a ton. So hit that subscribe button, please. We appreciate it. So for you guys, overall thoughts, kind of general thoughts on this film, what'd you think of... You went and saw it, movie's over, you turn to your friend, say these words to them. What, what would you say, Harry? I was like, I turned and uh, told my wife, says that was awesome. It was exactly what I hoped for. It was funny. It was a great adventure. There was a lot of heart. And it's definitely going to be added to my movie collection. Okay. So generally positive review from you, Harry, sounds like. Mark, what about you? Would you tell your best friend? <laughs> um, I liked it more than I thought I would. Yeah, you do not have to be a D and D fan to enjoy what's there. You know, if you like Marvel and DC and you know, fantastical movies like that, this is up your alley. You'll like it. Um, and if you do play D and D, this is like an awesomely corny game of D and D. You know, just with some of the back and forth and things. I loved it. Um, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot as well. Pretty much the same things you guys are saying. Thought I'd enjoy it more than I. I knew I was gonna like it um, just from the previews, uh, and the tone that I was getting, the feeling I was getting from the the trailers. But I liked it a lot more than I thought I did, or I thought I would, and so. Uh, it's going to be fun talking about it. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think. And cause you guys are more experienced in the D and D world than I am. I'm, I've been exposed to it. I read some of the, the books, the forgotten realms, dragon Lance played a little bit in high school. And then 
think the last time I was going to get involved with it, me and you, Mark, were going to get a, a, a group going, and then it fell apart last minute. So I bought all the manuals to read them, get updated, and all that stuff, and then it never happened. <laughs> but so I'm ex- I've been exposed. I like it. I like what I've seen. But you guys have actually played it recently, so I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about about that. So, um. As far as the, the overall story, it starts out with the two main characters played by Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character is, is it Olgoth? Is that how you say it? Holga. Yes. Sorry, Holga. Holgoth, yeah. Holga. And then Chris Pine is Edgen Darvis, I want to say. Um so we get introduced to them. They're in prison for something, and then they're going before the parole board, and they go before the parole board. They want a specific member there, Jonathan. We don't know who Jonathan is or how he's related, but he's. they go to the parole board, and he's not there. And they're like, oh, he's been delayed by the storm. There's a big storm. And so they're like, oh, we'll, we'll wait for Jonathan. So they, they, they're really focused on Jonathan, so our curiosity is peaked. It's like, oh. Who's this guy? Is he like an old friend? Is he going to help him get out and kind of advocate for him? Um, but we don't know because they're like, well, we got to get going or are you going to stay you know, longer in jail? So we get the backstory of how they ended up there, how uh, Ed, Edgen is – that, is that how you say his name, Harry? I believe so, yeah. Edgen. Edgen, Edgen Darvis. Yeah, how Edgen and Holga got there. Uh, Edgen started out uh, with a family, a wife, and a kid, and – he was uh, a bard. Is that the right phrase? Uh, yes, he was a bard, and he was part of the Harpers, Harpers uh, yeah. an alliance of good, good aligned people who who try to fight evil. Yeah, and so he's doing good yep. things, helping catch the bad guys, and but they're poor. You know, doesn't pay that much. So at some point in his career, he steals something. He gets caught, and uh, then he goes to jail actually no he still something and then it's something that belongs to the the red wizards who are the bad guys of the film the main threat there and they they track it down what they stole and he's not home so they end up killing his wife and leaving his baby the wife hides the baby so the baby's fine um and then from there, you know, he's de- he has to take care of the baby himself. He's depressed. He's at the bar, the cantina, drinking, the tavern. And uh, to say, going through a rough time, which is understandable. And I think that's when he meets uh, Holga, right, at that point. Mm-hmm. And she kind of steps in and is becomes part of his life and helps him raise the baby. And they they get, uh, they get together with a crew. Um, What's... Uh, Class is Holga, would you guys say? Barbarian. Barbarian? 100% barbarian. Yeah, easy. Okay. And with un- the unarmed fighting skill, yeah. I might add. Uh, that would be the Tavern Brawler feat from <laughs> our current D&D. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you got those two, the Bard, the Barbarian. They get together with a, a wizard. Um, and he's not – you think wizard, you go, oh, he's powerful. He's going to cast all these spells. But not this wizard, right? <laughs> he's a little, he's younger, so I guess you could say he's still learning. I like how he's casting like all these level one and like level zero spells, right? Yeah. <laughs> like blur and stuff. He's like, he's a great wizard. And he casts like a horrible version of blur. <laughs> right. 
He's actually, I, I want to say he's a sorcerer because at one point he, he says, no, that wasn't me. That was wild magic. Uh, and that would be a sorcerer then from the current edition of, of Dungeons and Dragons. Gotcha. And he was, he was reading scrolls and wizards don't read from scrolls, right? Well, they can, um, they, oh, they okay. can read from scrolls. Um, but that little, that little box on his belt that he has that he turns and then stuff comes out before he casts spells, yeah. mm-hmm. that would be like his spell, uh, pouch, his component pouch. Okay. Um, which which any magic user can use, but uh, yeah, he could use scrolls and and cast quite a few of actual wizard spells. But wild magic is definitely for from the sorcerer. Okay, so that's Simon, and then uh, they have another. What's the Hugh Grant's class? So his name, he's uh. It, go ahead. I was to say maybe like I don't know what he is actually. Rogue? I don't think he's anything. It may be a, a type of rogue mm-hmm. um, in that he can plan heists and put together a crew, but doesn't really seem like he does much other than get a crew together. Like yeah. a super charismatic rogue <laughs> without any rogue skills. <laughs> yeah. So uh, his his name is Forge Fitzwilliam. But yeah, so he how would who who would you say the leader is? Is it in the once they escape, we know it's it's Edgen, but uh, would you say it's Forge in, in this early version of the crew, or Edgen, or someone else? I would say it's probably Forge. He seems like he's kind of the one calling the shots and making decisions, yeah. and the other ones just kind of follow along. Like uh, Mark said, just he's real charismatic and. They just kind of let him lead. Yeah. That's kind of the impression I got. So he comes up with this mission. And by this time, the baby's older, you know, probably 10, 11, 12, maybe a preteen, uh, 13. So she doesn't want, so he comes up with this, hey, we got this scheme. We're going to, you know, get the, the take of the century. And the daughter doesn't want uh, Edgen to go. She doesn't think it's a good idea. Uh, but they go anyway because he's he's after the the spell that'll bring back um, the mother, right? From because it's one of those resurrection spells. Mm-hmm. So that's his his motivation. And they have the red. They get by that time they have the red wizard. I think she's the one that kind of let him in on. Hey, if you if we go here, you know these are the things we can get. And that's Sophina, the Red Wizard. So uh, they a just, Red Wizard in disguise. In disguise. So they didn't know she was a Red Wizard at that point. They did not. No. Okay. Nope. Yeah. And uh, so they they plan it out. They go there, and in the in the meantime, they get caught. Uh, as what's the name of the 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 talisman that Edgen's getting? That's the the spell. Of re- resurrection, I believe it's the tablet of resurrection. Or yeah, reawakening. Or reawakening. Oh, yeah, reawakening. Yeah, yeah. one time use item. Yeah, tablet of reawakening. So he he grabs, he sees it, he grabs it. The trap is sprung, and this is when Sophina reveals herself to be uh, a traitor, basically, right? Um, or at least her and um, Forge have. Well, I, I don't know if you know that she, she's a traitor yet, right? Right, Because it kind of looked innocent. Mm-hmm. 
Well, she cast right. the spell to, to time freeze time, right? So they couldn't get away, or did they just get caught in it? <laughs> yeah, it it looks like they kind of get caught in it by accident. We find out later, right, that that was more on purpose. It was kind of set up for them to get caught, but with the way it played out, they thought it was by accident. Like, oh crap, we were just we couldn't get away fast enough. Yeah. Okay. And Forge and Sofino were in it all, all the time, or is after the fact they're like, well, let's team up. What do you think? I think the whole time. I think so too. Okay. From the time he met her, she had a plan, and um, because she had a very specific item she wanted from that vault, mm-hmm. which was the the horn looking thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's multiple talismans there that they're after. Um, and they, so Forge and Sophina are able to escape. Simon escapes too. And then um, Edgin and uh, Holga get captured in that. Is it a time, freeze time spell or what, what would you call that, Harry or Mark? Yeah, yeah. it's freeze time. Yeah, it's a freeze time for sure. Um, I didn't. I always assumed freeze time was like in an area instantly, as opposed to kind of it grows because it kind of grew out, you know. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's just her magic is what does it or something, but but yeah, freeze time for sure. Yeah. So that allows them to get caught, and then that's how they end up in in the jail. So Edgen's telling the sob story about he, you know, he was a good man. Then he kind of, his wife died and he fell into these bad ways and he's found the error of his ways and he deserves to be released so he can go back and support his daughter. And during this conversation or at the end here, Jonathan shows up, right? And they're like, oh, Jonathan. And as soon as he walks in, they tackle him, both him and Helga, Olga, Holga, and they jump out the window with Jonathan and He's a bird, right? He's like a big vulture or eagle-looking thing with wings. And so that's kind of what they are looking for. So they jump out the window. They're falling. Jonathan flies, and they're able to escape, and they get out. And they make their way back to civilization, back to Edgen's home, basically. But it's interesting to note that as they're falling out the window, the guy's like, but we approved your parole. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. So they would have made it's like, it. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, they could have made it anyway, but uh, they decide to to escape. Um, so that sets up the rest of the the story, right? They have to track down the daughter because they get home and the daughter's gone, and they find out that Forge has taken him, taken her, and the, he's now in a different city. And so they they need to go find him and, and track down the daughter. And um, as far as and here we get hints, I think about Holga's previous relationship or marriage to the the halfling, but we don't know he's a halfling at this point. Because <laughs> <laughs> just awesome. Because she's like, I want to go get my stuff, and. and Edgen's like, no, he shouldn't go back there. It's a bad idea. Um, so they go, they track down. Which city do they end up? Is it, um, what, what's the name Never, of the city? Neverwinter. Neverwinter. Yep. Okay. And that's where um, 
Forge is he's somehow talked himself into being the leader. At this point, we don't know the specifics. And so he's he's the leader of the city, and he's bringing back the the games that um, people can play, join, and play in. And if they win, they win a lot of money. But the catch is, you know, if you join and you lose, then you die. So it's pretty brutal. And the at some point, the previous ruler outlawed him because that's oh, too brutal. We don't want to keep doing that. But this guy brings it back. So that's that's coming up. And he's meeting with rich dignitaries from other nations. And they're coming into town. And, you know, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance. Um, so that's when Edgen and Holga show up and talk. They reunite with the daughter first. Um, kind of meet her again. That's Kira is her name. And um, she's happy to see him. And, but then they go talk to to forge and forge is like no you guys um glad you got out but you're not taking kira i've been raising her as stepdad for a while and they've only been there like in prison for a year right two years two years years. okay so all of a sudden he's like this noble stepdad and (laughs) you know he's the he's the the one that's that taking care of her so uh he's not giving her up sophine is there as well and she casts a spell. They get caught in the quicksand and then kind of kicked out of. No, they they're they get captured and they're going to execute them, right? Mm-hmm. And so here we see the first time we get to see Holga's skill set. Uh, what do you guys think about this um, this action scene here, Harry? That was a terrific fight scene. Um, we had seen part of it in the trailers, but it was a little different in the um, in the actual movie. But um, she just goes to town. She's her hands are tied. She's captured. She she talks and uh, you know kind of slows him down until she can get a weapon, and then just proceeds to kick some serious butt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Any thoughts on that, Mark? <laughs> Um, the funny thing is when I'm watching this, like sometimes like D&D goes into my head so I can imagine that each round this bard is like, okay, I tried to cut the ropes again. Failed. Right. Like <laughs> he's just sitting there trying to cut these ropes. She's fighting like all these people with one hand. And then he finally rolls his, you know, D19 or D18, you know, cause he has to have high gets out and starts hitting people with his loot. You know, I'm like, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. That was some good stuff. And they're able yeah. to escape. And then they come up with a plan that they got to they got to get a crew together, right? They got to go find Simon. They got to get uh, some people so they can come back and rescue Kira. So that become that becomes the mission, the kind of the overall story for the rest of the movie, right? So they fi- they track down Simon and he's performing magic out in the the countryside and they come upon him and uh, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Mark, he's got these low level magic skills and he's trying to get some monies, coins, jewelry off, off of the people he's doing the performance for it, but he gets caught and he's able to escape uh, with these two guys with Olga and Edgen. And they talk about, Hey, we got to go back and rescue Kira. She's with, um, uh, I forget his name, Forge. And he's like, no, I, I, I'm not doing that. Um, I don't know. What'd you think about this whole part where they have to kind of come together to be able to go back and rescue Kira? Is that, a, 
I, I mean, it's, it works for Edgen, right? Because that's his daughter and Holga. But why include these other people? Why Why is that important? Well, they got uh, they need skills, right? They need a team. They can't do it alone. Um, it's in a well-protected city, and he's the lord of the city, right? He's got the whole city guard protecting him, plus Sophina. So they need a, um, a sorcerer, a magic user of some sorts. Um, they just put their faith in a guy who, who, whose skills are, are pretty weak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I like how they tied it in, though, right? Everybody – because that's how you make a – you know, a good group in D and D is that you have to make. You know, why are we going on this adventure? Let's tie it in. At least good D and D players, right? Uh, you know, they all have their own motivations. And I liked how they tied it in. Everyone had their own motivations, even though they weren't the same, right? I mean, you've got the two main characters whose motivations were kind of the same, and then you've got the other guy. Oh, there's a lot of money, you know, and you you can be a great wizard, you know. And then the tight the tiefling, you know, like oh, she just wants you know, revenge, you know, kind of thing. You know, she wants to get even and take get her land back and all that. So I like how they tied that all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they got to get the crew together. Uh, would you have included anybody else, any other classes, if you were running this campaign, would you have included someone else? And what would that person be, Mark? A tank. <laughs> a paladin tank. <laughs> um, I mean, it doesn't have to be paladin, but I mean, a barbarian is not a tank. I hate when people are like, I'll be a barbarian, I can front line. I'm like, you're stupid. Um, uh, no, it's a barbarian's a good off tank, right? But uh, I would have included a tank. I was actually thinking we'd see some type of cleric, mm. you know, some type of, uh, you know, healing or, you know, something like that. Um, I was really disappointed we didn't get to see a cool undead spell or a turn undead spell. So, but um, yeah, definitely some type of tank. Or some type of like battle cleric or something. Yeah. So the muscle. <clears throat> okay. What about for you, Harry? Anybody? You yeah, had? the same thing. Um, some some kind of muscle. Some, another fighter to back up Olga. Um, somebody that could be right on the front line, sword and board. You know, a, a big sword and a big shield and and heavy armor, really tough. And then um, a cleric's always useful. You know, somebody to heal. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like you're tracking hit points in there, but if they're showing injuries and like, hey, let me fix that. Um, yeah. or, or, you know, maybe even uh, a, a ranger of some sort, just because that's my favorite character. You know, somebody that could make that bow shot with the note into Kira's room yeah. um, without <laughs> killing her. Yeah, We might hit her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I like it. Um, my thoughts were a paladin, but we... You know, we get that later on in the movie, but I wish he would have gone with them because uh, we'll get there. But so for now, they asked Simon, hey, who else do you know that we could get together? And so that's when they, they come up with this other person, uh, Doric. What would you say she was, Mark? Say that again. What, uh, what type of race or class was Doric? Oh, she was a druid, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely a druid. Because she's a tiefling by race. Tiefling, yeah, tiefling right. by race, um, but she's a druid um, because she's an owl bear, which is a high level shapeshift, by the way. So, you know, I was kind of disappointed. So high level, we didn't get to see a ton besides some of the shapeshifting, but it was pretty cool. I liked it. Okay. So, yeah, uh, Simon. <laughs> 
has a crush on Dork. He he dated her, but it didn't go very well. So, uh, and that chemistry or lack of chemistry is is present throughout the rest of the movie, and it was very entertaining, very humorous to watch them two kind of interact with each other. I liked it. So we have two relationships, right? We have those two. It's kind of a semi, at least on his side, it's a semi-romantic relationship, and she's not too interested, um, which is always great for a story. And then you got uh, Holga and Edgen, and they have, even though they raised a child together, lived together, they're not in a romantic relationship, right? And I thought, I thought that was weird, first of all. Uh, but maybe they tried it, it didn't work. We didn't see that part. But uh, I, throughout this movie, I thought that was what the result was going to be, that they would fall in love or at least start down that path. But we didn't get it. Uh, they just remained really good friends, which is, is fine. But uh, I thought we'd see some of that. Do you guys have any thoughts on their relationship and how that works or doesn't work? Mark? Or Harry, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Harry. Yeah, he even says, I think it's during his, their parole hearing, he's like, yeah, we're like brother and sister. Mm-hmm. So they have this close relationship, but like romance was never on the table. And then I think at the very, well, when she meets, uh, what, Marlin, her, her ex, uh-huh. and then there at the very end when she sees another halfling, <laughs> I think we see why she has no interest in Edgen. <laughs> he's too big. <laughs> he's too tall. <laughs> so, um, Win for the short guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Did, was it believable? It was, I mean, even though I wanted them to connect more on a uh, romantic level, I was still okay. with. I thought uh, as actors, Michelle Rodriguez and Chris Pine worked really well together. So on that kind of out of movie level, I thought it was great. But in character, I thought they worked great together too. It was really, they were really fun to watch together. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think it made sense in the fact I played the, like, if you've never seen it before, I think you'd, you'd wonder why, like, I wonder, you know, I thought those two might end up together. Um, but as a and d player, a bard and a barbarian <laughs> would never work in 10 million years, right? So it makes sense that they're like, oh, well, brother, it's just like, it's really like the barbarian would probably get sick of the bard and kill him, you know, <laughs> like, just like, shut, shut up, <laughs> which is, you can see that sometimes, like, yeah. uh, you know, she'd like, look at him like. don't talk to me you know and so uh so i thought the relationship really worked well um and it followed what you would expect to see in the game okay so that's why i like all right cool yeah that makes sense then um like i said i wasn't disappointed in it but because they still worked really well together and they were fun to watch but that makes sense that explains why it didn't happen so um uh, so they they go get this tiefling, 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 dork, and they recruit her, and we find out her reasoning why. Like Mark said, she the their land's getting destroyed, and so she wants to get revenge, get him back for all that uh, damage. Um, so they they band together and they decide to to go somewhere. <laughs> Uh, and this is one part of the movie. If I had a complaint, this would be the complaint, because the the tournament's coming up, right? And it seems like things are going to happen in the in Never More, Never Winter, Never Winter. And didn't 
Go ahead. Did you not play? Did you never play those games, Baldur's Gate and all that? I Neverwinter did. Nights. Okay. Okay. I did, but it's been like twenty years, so. Uh, so Neverwinter. <laughs> you should remember. I should. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but I did read some of the novels, Neverwinter Nights. That sounds familiar. But again, that was probably thirty years ago. Um, so, um, so things are happening fast and they're like, well, we got to go here then we got to go there. And so they kind of go to all these different places, which was fun to watch and visually, but I'm like in the back of my mind is they got to hurry up. Time's running out. What'd you guys think about that? Any, did that, am I just kind of nitpicking or is that reasonable? Well, first they go to Neverwinter to check out the vaults. Um, you know, Doric wild shapes and flies in there as a little fly and she sees the seal on the door and there's that cool chase scene where she, you know, turns yeah. into a couple of different animals as she tries to get away. Yeah. Um, and then that's when they're like, okay, well, we have to go to these other places because we need this one particular relic that will allow us to break that seal and get into yeah. the, the vaults. And that was the helmet so of dis disruption disruption. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, yeah, so all the items, the helmet, the staff, and the, the little horn thing uh, are all, were all created for this movie. Um, I think some of them were based on a spell or something else, something else. but I, was, I watched a video on the D&D YouTube channel, and they were talking about it. They specifically created these, these things for the movie, and then they're going to, in turn, incorporate those items into the games from now on. So, <clears throat> and they did. Um, they released them. I think it was yesterday. Uh, they were released on D and D Beyond as um, playable magic items in the game. Oh, nice! All the stats were were released. Okay, cool. So they need the helmet of dis uh, regulation, D- disruption, <laughs> disruption. <laughs> the helmet of dis- disruption. And but they don't know where it is. It was last seen somewhere so they gotta and helga or holga knows where that is right because it was her people it was a battle with her people that was last seen at yes yeah so that's where they go first and you get one of the funniest parts in the whole film right here they they make it to and on the way they run into they swing by holga's ex (laughs) ex's house right so they're they're out front. She's like, ah, oh, I'm a little nervous. And they're like, no, I'll just go in. So she goes in, and you know she's a barbarian, big and tough. So we're kind of ex- at least I was expecting someone of similar stature and <laughs> you know ability and stuff stuff like that. But no, it's a, it's a halfling. <laughs> and uh, it took me a minute to realize who that was. It was another. It was a pretty big cameo. Uh, just because of the size, and uh, it turns out it's Bradley Cooper, right? Yeah. So, yep. did, we, did you guys recognize him instantly, or was it kind of the same thing? He looks familiar. Who is that? Or what would you guys think about this this scene in general, Mark? <laughs> um, I thought it was funny because those are one complete one hundred percent opposites, right? Yeah. You have this, you know halfling and you have this huge barbarian 
he is super into his feelings and she is super not, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and yet they're attracted. And then, you know, they break up. He's like, you make me cry all the time, all this stuff. Right. <laughs> and then in walks another barbarian yeah. chick, you know, like, and you're like, what the heck? Like, is this, this dude's got it going on or something, yeah. man? Like, yeah. geez. It's so, his new wife's even um, bigger than, than Holga. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, that was funny. Anyway, there's, so, Right on, buddy. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? I, I like it. It was just a fun scene to kind of like tie it in. It's just, it's literally one of those random scenes that you would get from the game or, you know, either board game or Forgotten Realms game. So it was, it was completely in place and awesome. I liked it. Yeah. What about for you, Harry? Yeah, I was the same way. When she swings that door open and that <laughs> halfling standing there, I mean, and he's like knee high to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was crying. I, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. This is exactly what D&D is. Um, this is an NPC that no one expects. Um, and uh, this is super fun. Um, and I was thinking the whole time, he looks re- familiar. He doesn't look familiar. Is yeah. that Bradley Cooper? No, that's not Bradley <laughs> yeah. Cooper. Um, and then we looked it up later, and you know, sure enough, it was Bradley Cooper, which makes it even better because... Um, you know, he's one of my favorite actors. So, um, getting this crazy role and he's obviously into big girls. He likes them thick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and tall. Yeah. And- yeah. New girlfriends, uh, is, yeah, she's like, like a foot taller than Holga <laughs> and like twice as beefy. Yeah. Um, yep. and on her way out, she's like, Oh, can I have my walking staff back and grabs it and walks out. Right. And you're like, Hmm, what's that? Because it looks more than just a, like a walking staff, right? <clears throat> it's got some decorations to it. Um, well, it's a walking staff for a halfling. Yeah, yeah. So um, they leave. So that's the setup for the next funniest part. <laughs> Probably the funniest part in the whole thing. So they, they make it to the graveyard. Why don't you tell us about this, Harry, since you um a little more knowledgeable about the spells and stuff. So... Um, they need to talk to somebody that died like a hundred years ago. And um, so they're like, great, we can't pull this off. And then Simon's like, well, actually we can. <laughs> I have this token from a cleric and so our priests and, and I can, I can speak to dead. Um, and so they go and they dig up they, uh, a body and they talk to him. And that is quite possibly the funniest scene there as, <laughs> They only have five questions they can ask him, and then they can't ever talk to him again. Yeah. Uh, the, um, the the spell in the game you can actually cast it every ten days, but they're obviously on a time crunch, so they just you know explain it away to like never again. But the the whole question sequence is just it's hilarious because Chris Pine, who really shouldn't be asking these questions, <laughs> the way he talks and and all that, uh, he blows through <laughs> like four questions without really asking a question. And then some, and then someone else is like, "That wasn't four, was it?" And the dead guy's like, "Yep," and then dies. <laughs> He's just out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they go back to you know lighting a torch, digging another grave, and and starting over. And uh, it just creates this this sequence, this chain of of digging, talking, digging, talking, and and uh, it, the funniest part of the movie for me was was this graveyard scene. Yeah. Yeah. That guy likes talking, and he's like, 
So where were you? And it shows him slipping and hitting his head. He's yeah. like, well, what after that? I died. What do you mean after that? Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, and he's like, oh, you want my brother, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they finally track down a guy that knows what happened to the helmet. It's someone who was running off with it, right? And he like fell down an embankment and was going to die. And then a paladin, a paladin came up, right? And it was, it was the same guy that they go and find. And that was how many years earlier? And it's the same guy. Yes, because that paladin is actually an ASMR. He's a, like a divine mm-hmm. being, um, nearly immortal. Hmm. Okay. So that's how he can be alive 100 years later. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so the paladin comes and he, he was afraid of him because he was of the same race as the red wizards, right? And he had the, the marking on the head. So this guy was right. in, initially afraid of him. What's the red wizards uh, nationality again? Fay. Uh, Fay. That's right. So he's, he's from Fay. But he's a paladin, so then he's like, no, don't worry, I got you. You'll be all right. And he kind of comforts him as he dies and takes the helmet. So they're like, oh, this guy has it. This paladin has it. And they all seem to know who he is, right? Except for Edgen. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, he's a good man. Like, ev- everyone knows him. Everyone's heard about him. Everyone's, you know, something with him. And he's like, you've heard of him too? Like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he he distrusted him because he's from Thay, right? Edgen. He's like, well, he's, yes. he's from Thay, so he's got to be a bad guy. Okay. So they were able to track him down. They go find him, and he's helping heal, or he's helping this person extract their baby out of this big fish's mouth at the time. And it kind of shows us how, how good of a person he is right off the bat. And they start talking to him, and they convince him to take him to where he hid the helmet, which is in a dungeon. So we get the the first dungeon of of the the show, right? Mm-hmm. So, as far as this dungeon goes, um, is this something that is in the games, or in the books, or in the video games, or do you guys pick up anything like that? It's the under. What do they call it? The under, like the, the underworld or whatever. Yeah, the underdark. It does exist um, a, as part of the D and D game, like early, I don't know, version two or something. You know, right? Um, no, it still exists in. in oh, does it? Fifth edition, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's I. I want to say it's been in most, if not all of them. Maybe not first edition, but I'm not super familiar with that. I was a little young when it was out. Um, but it's like a, a world beneath the worlds, huge caverns and tunnels and dungeons and, and subterranean cities. It's where the drow and the, the mm. deep gnomes and the dwarger all exists as kind of a, a counterpoint to the, the world above. Okay. I didn't realize it was that extensive. So that's good to know. Um, a lot of campaigns happen down there, I'm assuming. Uh, no, because oh. it's probably the most dangerous place <laughs> in the Forgotten Realms. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't have dark vision, you're going to need to light uh, a torch. And if you light a torch, everybody else down there knows where you're at right away. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a very dangerous place to be. I mean, I'm sure there's some campaigns and games set down there. Um, you know, But it's probably very, very focused campaigns 
where a specific group of characters or even a, a, a bunch of people playing drow elves in a in a completely drow elf campaign um, where it's like one house of drow fighting against another or or something along those lines mm-hmm. okay well um, so that brings up to my mind they they did throw out a lot of names throughout the the movie like this place that place what were some of the the names that you recognized and appreciated that they included in the movie, even if it was just a conversation. Um, Elminster was one. Um, he's, uh, they mentioned that Simon is a descendant of, of Elminster and Elminster is one of the greatest sages in the history of the forgotten realms. Mm -hmm. He's another nearly immortal character. And, Mm -hmm. um, he is actually used by the creator of the forgotten realms as kind of the narrator to the realms. Um, so that was really cool. But he wasn't the one that showed up when he put on the helmet, or was it? No, okay. no, that was his like great um, great grandfather or something. Right, and Elminster at this time is seventeen hundred years old, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he would have been, I don't know, fifty to a hundred greats back. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. What about for you, Mark? Any any names that stood out to you? Um, I mean, just the same, the, the dragon, uh, dang it. What's his name? I just had it in my head. Um, it's too long for me to remember. Dang uh, it. The thumb again or something. Yeah. I can't think, I can't think, but he was like one of the original dragons in the game. Yes. Um, and so that was pretty cool. Like a little throwback to him. Um, so that was probably the only one that hopped out at me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean, yeah, there's plenty in there. Yeah. For me, it was Baldur's Gate because that's like the one mm. thing, one game I played. Baldur's yeah, Baldur, Gate. Water, water deep, for sure. Yeah. Okay. That's where you start out. Yeah. When you're in Baldur's Gate, that's where you start out is water deep. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. Maybe you want to play it again after watching this movie. So um, they descend into the, the Underdark. And they, Underdark, yes. And uh, there's these like creatures right off the bat, right? Look like big butts, <laughs> brain butts, or something. Brains with legs. Yeah. <laughs> Were they that dangerous? I mean, I was a little worried for them, but they didn't. Nothing really happened, so I don't know. Uh, well, that was the joke, right? They are fairly, very dangerous for for low level characters. Um, in that, like like you said, you know, they, they devour their brain and then turn them into minions. Yeah. Um, and the joke was that they walked right by them, uh, <laughs> and, you know, kind of insinuated that they all had very low intelligence, yeah. um, which is the exact opposite in the game rules. Like they're, um, the smarter you are, the harder they are to, to like take you over. Um, but it made for a much better joke that they just went strolling by as they all stood against the wall. Like they didn't even notice them. <laughs> right. There is nothing here. There's not a brain cell firing in this room. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was good. So they they make their way down. They come across through the the stuff there. The they come to a bridge, and we get uh, oh, this is a dangerous bridge. You got to the the paladin. It's like you got to do this. You got to do that. And 
step on here and then step back and, you know, all these complicated things. And while he's explaining, Simon kind of puts his leg on the edge and the whole bridge just collapses. <laughs> it's like, oh, I might have stepped on it. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's the most complicated trapped bridge in the history of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. So it's taken yeah. from a real scenario uh, well, in the game i think it's just no i think oh. they just really played off of other traps because there's in many adventure modules there's been some sort of pattern you have to walk on a floor to get safely across it or to maybe unlock the door at the other side um but this one takes that to the nth degree right <laughs> yeah. even number going forward for five steps and then a lateral but it doesn't matter right or left and then well, once you get to this point then it's four steps and then you have to go backwards and then yeah. odd numbers and it's um, just playing off like crazy traps that dungeon masters create for their players and making it impossible to get across yeah so yeah <laughs> The bridge class. Yeah, the, the, Go ahead. that's like exactly what happens, right? Like then you've got some dumb character that's like, "Oh, whoops! I didn't realize that was part of the bridge." Like, I'm, <laughs> you didn't. Yeah. yeah. Right? You're just like, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. So then they got to figure out how to get across, and luckily they have the walking stick from the the halfling's house. Turns out it's a staff of teleportation, and. Uh, they're able to teleport. He has to see where the other, like he can cast one uh, side of it near them, but he has to be able to see where the other one, other side is or else it's not going to work. But they're able to cross the, the chasm there by, by using it. And at first I was like, well, that's convenient. <laughs> you know, they just finally, they figure it out right then when they need it. And it's like, okay, uh, that's a little contrived. And it, it kind of was, but at the same time, it, it's not just a one-off situation. They start using it later, so then it makes more sense as the show goes on. It's also um, a real throwback to a lot of uh, early adventure modules that were written for Dungeons & Dragons in that there might be some some just task that seems insurmountable, and then, oh, look, here's a magic ring or a magic sword or a magic helmet or the hither-thither staff that allows you to overcome some some crazy problem. So it's, um, I don't want to call it fan service, but it's like <laughs> there's plenty of dungeon masters that have handed some magic item to his players just so they could get over. If they realize they have it and know how to use it right, they can surmount some impossible task. So that's like the you know the dungeon master reaching down into this game and saying, "Here you go. Yeah, here's something magic. Can you figure it out now?" <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you think there was um, a dungeon master in this game or in this show? I, I'm like off um, screen. I mean, it was. He's a jerk. This <laughs> <laughs> is like I hate you, dungeon master. <laughs> I mean, in reality, any storyteller really is a dungeon master, right? Um, he creates the setting and the possibilities and then lets his players go. Um, a movie is a little more difficult um, in that, you know, the director, the writer writes the story, the director's got the vision, but the you know the actors kind of follow the director versus what a Dungeons & Dragons game is, is the director creating this vision and then the guy's going 180 degrees the opposite direction and screwing everything up. Yeah which is, I don't know, the best part of D&D, where it just changes everything every time you play and anything's possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What would you guys have thought if, like, 
the so they had the the mid credit scene, but like the end credit scene, they kind of pull back from the the world, and it comes out, and you you just see these guys sitting around a table, and the, then the, it's over, like they're like it's them playing a game or something. What, what do you guys thought about that? It it ends in like Stranger Things kind of thing, you yeah. know, the demigorgon, yeah. ah, and then that would been awesome. Yeah. yeah, that that would have been pretty fun. I mean, it really would have been. Um, because everybody that plays D and D, they they have these epic adventures, and in their minds, this is this grand epic movie playing out. Yeah. Have either of you watched the Community? The Community or Community? The Community, oh. or it might just be Community. I don't know. It's just a you know TV series about community college. Yeah, Community. Yeah. Um, and anyways, in it, there's these two episodes. It's Dungeons and Dragons and mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons 2. And what's funny is I was thinking this when I was watching this is that this show plays out totally like one of those episodes when they talk about it. You know, and you can imagine it. So um, if you haven't watched it, if you've never seen it, like if you're interested in it, go go watch The Community. I think it's on Netflix. Watch Dungeons and Dragons. I think that it's in season one. Might be in season two, but yeah. uh, it's epic. Like it, it totally plays like this movie. Yeah. Um, and so I could, I could picture, you know, just like you know, the movie ends, and then there's some people like finishing the game. You know, yeah. Good game, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was a good one. That and the the paintball yeah. episodes. <laughs> yeah. Check out Community and some good stuff on that one. A lot of nerdy stuff on on that show, right? So. Um, so anyway, the Hither, there's their staff, they're able to cross the chasm, go to this area where these, these statues are and they got to kind of, the paladin moves the things around and opens up and he is able to pull the helmet out. And at that point, uh, these guys show up that, uh, the red wizard had sent after them in the beginning, earlier in the, in the episode or in the movie, uh, Sophina had sent her main guy her main thug after him he's able to track him down so they have this big confrontation in the middle of the the dungeon there and uh the paladin zinc that his name zinc yendar is able to defeat them all he by himself he's pretty badass and but they're undead so they they come back to life and they're like run and so there's a big chase scene and then they're running toward this this cave, and it ends up being um, the lair of the dragon. <laughs> Apparently, the dragon's been in there a while because he's a little bigger, <laughs> and has to burst out of the the cave there. Best <laughs> fat dragon ever. <laughs> yeah, just put on some weight. Thimberchod or Thimbercod or something like that. Yeah. So then instead of running away, now they're running towards the, the opposite way. Dragon's chasing them. But the dragon doesn't breathe fire, um, which I had expected it to. But since you guys are more in the know of why he didn't breathe fire, I want you to explain it. There's just different dragons. Some breathe fire, some breathe acid, some breathe uh, froth, you know, freeze. Just depends on the dragon. Yeah, I th- I think this one was meant to breathe fire, but he has like a congenital defect, <laughs> so he breathes the gas that should be fire, but he can't ignite it for some reason. Okay, um, because you do see it like when it goes over a torch, it ignites. Uh, they're running across the bridge and it, it, it lights up, 
Um, so it's obviously a flammable gas that he's breathing, and you can see him trying to, right? He'll open his mouth and try to breathe something, and you'll see sparks down there in his throat, yeah. but nothing. There's, you know, there's no big gout of flame like you expect from a big bad dragon. Yeah. So that, in a way, that's good because then our heroes didn't get fried, you know, in the first 30 <laughs> seconds because <laughs> he's pretty close to him, chasing him down. But there's some shenanigans. All the bad guys get killed by the dragon and eaten and stamped on and killed. So, um, but they're, the heroes are able to escape um, and able to, they end up running down the pathway, the tunnel into a cavern. And once they get to the cavern, they're trapped. And um, the dragon's trying to burst through. And this part was a little, I didn't fully understand it, but they escaped. So I was like, okay, whatever. But the, I guess it's under a lake, and as the dragon's trying to get in, cracks open, water comes down, and so and there's a flame in there, and that's where they're able to. Actually, no, the the sorcerer Simon uses his his one trick to make <laughs> flame from his finger, right, <laughs> to ignite the gas, and uh, I guess the explosion creates a hole for them to escape out of. Is that kind of what you guys got out of it? Yeah, I mean, I guess they're just saying like it was loot just kind of blew it. Yeah, just blew it up. Yeah, because there's the big explosion, and then the next thing you saw, you see, you see him swimming up to the surface in a lake. So I don't know. I guess that's what happened. That part was a little unclear, but they escaped. I, I I got the impression that once the dragon started coming in and bashing his head around, and the water started filling it, that um, Edgen realized that it was salt water, so they had to be under the ocean. Okay. Um. Uh, because in this area, you know, close to Neverwinter, there's no real big lake. So the only large body of water would be salt water. So if it's salt water, that's under the ocean. So we, And, you know, he's making the assumption, well, we must be closer to the surface here if he's breaking through. And if we can somehow blow a hole, mm-hmm. we should be able to swim to the surface. Okay. So does the ocean fill up the Underdark? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I would... I don't think it would, but we're kind of... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Our, our heroes escape to the surface, and here we get the, the moment of truth, right? Well, Simon puts on the helmet, and he meets a... Uh, it wasn't... I didn't get this... At the time, I thought it was his great-great-great-grandfather, or however many greats. Um, but later we find out it's really just uh, an image or a self-projection of his... Um, doubts in the form of his grandfather mm-hmm. so yeah. um but he's he doesn't he has those doubts so he's not able to use it and he's the helmet is rejects him and so now they're one thing that they were going to use to open the vault to uh, cause a distraction to rescue the daughter is not going to work anymore the plan's dead so here they have the moment of truth where everyone wants to go their own ways but they don't. So, what do you guys think about this scene where they all have a uh, moment of truth together? Harry? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, because Simon kind of starts it, right? He's like, I told you I couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And then the other two are like, wait, you knew he wasn't going to be able to do this? <laughs> so, what have we been doing all this time? Yeah. Um, this, this plan is garbage. Um, you knew this wasn't going to happen. We tried it anyways. Um, almost died multiple times and for nothing. And, you know, there's there's some anger there. And, and everyone 
wants to go their separate ways, but they still have that same goal um, or, or goals because they're individual goals. They all still have these goals that, that they need to move forward on or, or else like they don't have anything, right? If, if Doric quits, um, Forge wins and keeps chopping down the forests. If um, Edgen and Holga quits, Forge keeps their uh, Lyra forever. Um, if Simon quits, well, he goes back to being Simon and he's desperately broke, like he told them earlier. Yeah. Um, so they're they're frustrated, but also stuck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any thoughts, Mark? Um, you know, I just I thought it was kind of a good like regrouping. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of like a like, all right, you know, let's regroup and and get remotivated, right? Because they've been out doing a bunch of other stuff. So that was kind of good to get them, like, get them all fired up again, <clears throat> uh, so to say. So I like that part, um, uh, you know, just kind of like Harry said, right? I mean, they're, they're stuck with each other regardless, you know? I mean, they could yeah. all go their own way, but, the, you know, Tiefling's still going to be stuck and wanting to free your, um, you know, free your country or whatever, but has no way to do it. Uh, so... I don't know. I, I, I like it's kind of a strange, you know, thing. Like um, I thought they'd make a more big deal about kind of like <laughs> he's lying to everybody, you know. But it was just pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think a lot of movies have this type of scene. We saw it in Guardians of the Galaxy, right, where they have their first defeat or their first setback, major setback, and they're like, "How committed are we really to this goal?" You know, up until now, it's been fun and games. It's been exciting. You know, we've got the treasure, but, you know, what do we do now? Are we really serious about this? Is it more than just, well, we don't have anything else going on, so let's do this. Is it more than that, or is it, you know, just a frivolous thing? So they, they're able to talk it out and kind of re, refocus and rededicate themselves to doing what they need to do because it's only going to get harder from here on out. So they're able to they recommit themselves. They come up with a new plan to infiltrate the the vault if if uh, Simon can't use the helmet he's going to keep trying to figure it out but if he can't they're going to use the hither thither staff to place one end of the portal on something then transport it into the vault and then be able to access it that way so they this was actually really cool because this is something that good D&D players would put together Mm-hmm. Right, like yes. a lot of a lot of novice D and D players, they have this you know thing of transport that has a limitation, and they'll be like, okay, we can't use it, and they'll just discard it. But these really like good D and D players are like, oh, I've got an idea, we can open a portal on this thing, sneak it on you know into the to the gold that they're taking there, keep it open, and then I I don't have to reopen it, you know, I don't have to see where it goes. I'm like. I, I was actually really impressed. I'm like, yeah, this is such a tr- fun troubleshooting thing that you deal with in the game. And it was cool to see it play out like naturally in here, um, like flow really well. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great idea. Well executed visually and story-wise too. So, and then once they figure it out, they come up with this great plan. It's working. And then the picture falls over <laughs> onto the ground. <laughs> so it's like, oh crap, our great idea isn't going to work right now. Uh, but uh, uh, Doric is able to come up. Well, if I scratch a hole into the concrete, then I can turn into a worm and sneak in and 
be able to, and she ends up doing that. But at the same time, um, they, uh, Simon and Holga fight their way to, well, they, they kind of create a distraction, right? Where Simon uses his powers to create a, a visual representation of Edgin <laughs> coming in, playing, you know, singing a song and distract the guards. And the three of them sneak around in the back and go in and make their way to the vault and stuff and to rescue the daughter. But <laughs> it starts to fall apart because Simon's not that powerful, apparently. <laughs> and you get this hologram, basically, that starts to to have these, uh, what do you call it, uh, starts to buffer. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny to watch that happen. So is that something that would happen in the game where a wizard could cast a spell like that and create a distraction that way? Yes. Um, and then what you see is he, he failed his concentration check, right? Um, I, I, it was kind of cool how they did it. I don't like the spell doesn't really work that way, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can create illusions that that have sounds and and motion like that. Um, but like Mark said, you know, he failed his concentrations check. Um, so you know, in the rules, the illusion would just go away when he failed it, not start buffering and <laughs> and just look ridiculous. Yeah. But it was way better that way, yeah. and uh, I'm going to use that. From here on out, <laughs> yeah. in all of my games, yeah. <laughs> illusions will buffer yeah. when the, um, the the check is failed versus just ending. That's awesome. This is like a slow motion train wreck, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask that. Could you use some of these things that we're seeing in the movie to incorporate those into your your next game, your next campaign? Would the rules and the structure allow that? Oh, absolutely, because. At the end of the day, it's your game, and you can add anything you want into it. Just because the base rules don't have something, it's literally in the rule book. Like, this is your game. Change what you want. Um, my wife has already asked for um, Edric's sword that shoots the blade out. Oh, yeah. So now I've got to craft a, a magic item that shoots the blade. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a whole bunch of groups that are going to be having different things from this movie in their games and then and, and players have seen things and given them ideas. So there's going to be a bunch of heist movie or heist yeah. adventures um, with craziness from this movie. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Cool. So um, they're able to, uh, Dork's able to get into the vault. Uh, Simon and Holga make their way to the vault, to the outside of the vault and then Edging goes up to find his daughter. And then everything falls apart at this point, right? Uh, Edging finds his daughter, uh, Kira, but it's not Kira. It's the red wizard impersonating, creating illusion. Sophina is creating illusion, and then Edging's captured. And then when um, we see Simon actually use the helmet, and he's able to figure it out and overcome his self-doubts and kind of dispel all these negative thoughts he has and able to use the helmet to open the door. So we're like, sweet, he, he did it. You know, he, he's successful and him and Holgo run into the vault, but it's empty. There's nothing in there, but then they're captured by a spell that's left there. And then we see Doric in the vault and we see that it's actually not the vault we thought it was because all the treasure had been moved to a different area 
and it's like in this underground cavern and they're hauling it out to a ship because uh, um, Forge is, he's making away with all the treasure. He's not going to share it with those other dignitaries that are bringing their wealth to kind of share for the winnings. So everything falls apart and then she's captured, right? So everybody's captured, the mission fails, the plan fails, and they got to come up with um, another way to do it. What were you guys' thoughts about at this moment when <laughs> they're not successful despite their successes in getting in? Harry? This is like a total party kill. Yeah. TPK for, for uh, a D&D game. The dungeon master has outsmarted all of his players and he's laughing gleefully as they're all captured. Um, it's just one of those things where everybody's rolled... Uh, a nat one, right? <laughs> and failed everything that they've tried to do and ended up in the worst possible situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's totally, uh, it's kind of funny because I've been in groups where that's happened, right? It's like, oh, shiz, we're all dead. You know, like we, <laughs> we, you know, we stepped in the pit of despair. Like it's over, <laughs> you know? And, uh, um, and then like, just like the show, it's kind of like, then you get that dungeon master it's like okay i'll give you a chance <laughs> you get to go you know instead of just killing you all right now and and get you know accomplishing all my goals i'm going to let you try to run through this right like i'm giving you a fighting chance and uh you know whatever and so it's just kind of funny like because that you really see that play out right these dungeon masters make these off the wall decisions you know like this red wizard wants to kill him has no mercy and all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, put them in, put them in there, right? So it's totally <laughs> pretty realistic to what you'd see. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, they convince uh, Forge and Sofina to put them in the maze for the games. Because like, well, they're probably going to die anyway, so let's just do this. Uh, what'd you guys think about this maze? This whole um, there's other groups there, and there's this the tiger or the. The panther? What what was that? I I had never seen something like that before. Have you? The panther that could throw its image? Uh, Yeah, that's called a displacer beast. Okay. Um, A very evil creature, and it can do that. Uh, It it can, like, display an image of itself some distance away from it, so it's very, very hard to to attack successfully. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it's been in... Jeez, it's probably been in the rules since the very beginning hmm. um in fact I, i'm i'm 99.9 percent sure it has been because i've got a D art book and I'm, i think that's one of the creatures where they've shown how the the design of it changed from the very first edition of of dungeons and dragons all the way through fifth edition now and the, the various artwork that's been created for it mm-hmm. okay cool and what do you think about this this maze this competition fight to the death Harry, as far as how it played out, what was involved, and who was there, and that sort of thing. Um, well, at first I was like, "Holy smokes, that's a game mat! Look at it; it's gridded; it's ready for for a D and D game." Um, but then it was just this like this cool disintegrating labyrinth with various traps and and treasures throughout it. Um, it's just kind of the thing that you'd have for like. You just thrown in an adventure for you know an hour of fun as they tried to tra- traverse this mage or maze rather sorry um, it just seemed kind of fun yeah. um, but at the same time extremely dangerous right yeah 
What about you, Mark? And what are your thoughts on how this played out? I thought it was cool, you know, visually to watch these groups, you know, run for it. You often kind of, it's kind of a trope with yeah. Forgotten Realms is that, you know, like you see a lot of that. But um, uh, I, I liked it um, pretty, it's kind of weird because I, I got this feeling that <laughs> somewhere between being level one and two and getting back you know, to this thing, they all leveled up to like level seven. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know if they just got a lot of experience somewhere all of a sudden or what, but um, it's kind of funny because they struggle with simple things and all of a sudden they're like running through this maze with, with these high level things and, and definitely holding their own, doing great. I, I liked it. It was fun, but you know, it's it kind of a continuity thing. I was like, eh, that's a little weird, mm. but, but I did like it. Okay. Uh, there was a cameo in there that I picked up on with my little knowledge of, of D and D. Um, cause I used to watch the, the eighties cartoon dungeon and dragons back in the day. And those characters were in the maze as one of the groups. They didn't really focus on them too much, but you could, you know, they had the, the clothing styles, the coloring was there and they, uh, were there in the maze. I don't think they made it though. <laughs> Doesn't look like it. <laughs> Well, they were the group that was in the cage at the ends, yeah. but we don't know what happens after that, right? Because they say, right, okay, you make it to this cage, and then it basically the it starts over, um, and it just keeps going till you're all dead. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But they were able to figure out how to get, you know, bypass the the maze by jumping into a is it a gelatinous cube? Is that what they call it? Yes. So. Mm-hmm. But if they stay in there too long, it's, you know, it's acid. It disintegrates them, kills them. Um, but they're able to jump in. Uh, Doric changes into a snake to be able to escape and pull, you know, pull them out one by one. In playing the game, is that a reality? Is that something that could happen? Or do they take some artistic license here? You know, I, I have not used a gelatinous cube in any of my <laughs> games because I feel like... Um, they're too dangerous for my my players, and uh, they don't get eaten. Um, so I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> yeah, I'd have a hard time being like <laughs> any situation. Where I'd be like, "All right, guys, I'm going to shape shift into a snake and get out of this gelatinous cube on the other side, and then pull you out in like seven seconds." Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, cool idea. Uh, yeah. I, I think I don't see any practicality ever. <laughs> I, I think I think what the I think it was a joke actually about how Dungeons and Dragons combat works, and the gelatinous cube had the lowest initiative score, and Doric had the highest, so she got to go first and used her bonus action to wild shape, and then her mm-hmm. action to pull Holga out, and then you know and Holga pulled the next one out, and uh, I think it was a really deep joke about the rules of Dungeons and Dragons and how combat works. Hmm. Could be wrong, but that's kind of how I see it. Okay. That's interesting. Um, I noticed when uh, Doric jumped in first, uh, she was able to stick her finger out on the other side of the cube. So that allowed her to have a piece of her outside of it so she could shape shift and not be stuck in completely in the cube and be able to get out. Right, yeah, I think that that left the hole that allowed her yeah. to escape. Yeah. 
and then when they get out, they're all itchy. You know, oh, it burns and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, what there was some consequences to. They did get some hit points there. So, um, but yeah. So th- in using that cube, they when the walls drop, uh, they're in the dungeon underneath, and they can escape. And they make their way to the boat and the treasure, and they're on their way out. Um, at some point, no wait, they have to get Kira right. At what point did they get Kira after this? I can't. I can't remember how they got her. Um, uh, it was between the gelatinous cube though and the boats. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't remember, but they got her. So, I think it was pretty quick in and out. Um, but he did have to convince her. Anyways, so I forget. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, yeah. He ran back to the room, right? Oh, now I can't remember exactly how it went. Yeah. So no, he brought what's her what's his name Forge brought her down to the boat because they were escaping. That's right. Oh, that's right. And she's like, "What are we? Where are we going? Why yeah. do we have to leave?" Yeah, yeah. That's and they're right. they're already on the boat. The the crew is, and then they they see each other, and it comes out that Forge is lying. <gasps> Shocker. And um, he threatens to kill Kira, but um, they're able to knock him out and she escapes with them. And on their way out, they see the red wizard. Her plan is coming to fruition, which was to gather everybody in the land together to watch the games. And then she'd unleash her undead spell, turning everyone into undead to serve her and the red wizards. And so they see that start to happening. It was explained to them by the paladin earlier on in the show. And uh, they recognize it. Oh, crap. (laughs) They're they're on their way. They've escaped. They got all the treasure. They got Kira. Their campaign is done. Um, But they have a conscience. So I don't know. What did you guys think about this part? Was it like, you you knew it was going to happen, right? But what would you have done if you were leading this campaign, if you were the boss? (laughs) Completely chaotic, good characters, <laughs> right? That's that's exactly them, right? Um, right. <laughs> I, I mean, their their alignment forced their decision. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and Edgen, you know, he has this history, right, with the fans, and yeah. he just he can't let them get away with it. As much as he just wants to sail across the ocean with his boat boat full of loot. Because um, they'll live like kings wherever they go. Um, mm-hmm. He just can't. He can't let the fans win. Yeah. Not again. Yeah. Because they're the ones that killed his wife, and he can't. Understandably so. You know, let that stand. So they all look at each other. Kira. He had promised Kira that he was done with this life, and they were going to move on. But then he looks at Kira, and Kira kind of gives him the the nod of approval, like, "Yeah, we got to go back. We got to we got to help these guys out. This these people." So you turn it around, they head back, they come up with this plan to uh, use the hither their staff to dump all the treasure onto the city so everybody sees that, all the citizens in the arena see that, and they start to run out so they are able to escape, momentarily at least, from this mist that turns people undead. Um, and Sophina is mad about that, so she tracks down the heroes and... Uh, we see this pretty cool battle between um, a stone dragon and the owl bear and uh, Simon and Sophina use these hands. You know, Simon uses makes one out of stone, 
and Sofina, I think hers is out of fire. And, you know, they're wrestling each other. The hands are wrestling each other and fighting each other. So a lot of combat here in this, in this uh, part for you, Harry, your D and D mind watching this, how did it, how are you processing all this, this combat? Um, the first time I watched it, I was just trying to enjoy it. The second time <laughs> I watched it, I was trying to pick up spells. Okay. Like, okay, what are they doing right here? Who's casting what? Um, what, what are they using? Um, you know, when does Holga start her berserker rage, right? Um, who's doing what at what time? Trying to dissect the whole combat. Um, so it was. It was really cool. Um, and and in, in some ways really stayed true to, to game combats. Um, that uh, dragon, the animated statue, is about to kill Edgen when Doric breaks Sofina's concentration and the spell ends instantly, right? Mm-hmm. And, and saves him. So that was like cool little nod to the actual rules and how combat works and spells and all that. And it was it was a lot of fun and, and a lot of action. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so it wasn't necessarily a bunch of mindless action that had some continuity with the game, the rules of the game. Seems like. Yeah, I felt like it did. Good. What about for you, Mark? When you're watching this, any thoughts or anything stand out to you in particular? Um. <laughs> couple things one i kept wondering what is the armor class of this red mage holy crap like no one can hit her she's amazing you know what i mean um uh, so that was i don't know i just thought it was cool it was a fun uh, you know fun sequence there kind of like harry said you know you could kind of see the turns and the uh going on you know if you know what to look for how that all how that all played out um One of the most, my favorite parts, you know, the owl bear with the red mage, right? It's like, it's already dead. Then she moves a second, it's like, ah, and just goes crazy and throws her against the wall. That part was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So at some point, the the red mage uses the the time spell to slow everything down, right? This, I, I understood the concept, but I didn't understand how it happened. So maybe you guys can explain it to me. Maybe saw something I missed or understand something. But they pretend to be uh, stopped or slowed down, right? And Yes. It, but then they're not, and he's able to... Uh, Simon dispelled her, her, her spell, right? He was finally able to cast spell magic and, and overcome her spell. And they just pretended momentarily that they were all frozen. So she let her guard down, and uh, Lyra was able to sneak up and snap that that anti magic cuff on her. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how does that work with the anti spell? Ah, uh, well, it's just it's a super potent spell that most dungeon masters hate when their player characters get it because you can just instantly kill the spell of any. Um, magic user that the dungeon master is using so he'll cast some powerful spell thinking he's going to do a bunch of damage or something cool and the guy's like nope dispel magic nope <laughs> dispel magic so it's unlimited um, use uh it's not unlimited but um neither are the high level spells that the spell casters that the dm's using so you know if you blow your your ninth level spell slots and the guy uses dispel magic to kill that spell well your that spell slot's gone, so mm-hmm. uh, can kind of ruin a plan. Um, cool spell when you're a player. Um, dungeon masters tend to kind of hate it, um, yeah. but then so do players when dungeon masters use it against them. I cast fireball at maximum level, like dispel magic. Um, 
it's so, a pretty potent spell, really. So is it something that can cover any spell? Like it is there a limit to it? Like as far as strength or range? Or? I mean they you do a check on it, right? Like and there's some spells that like are it won't dispel entirely, right? It's like, oh, if if successful, take half damage or something, right? So Right. And and like a first level a really bad wizard cannot um dispel the magic of a really powerful wizard. So that was, you know, something there, jumping levels, right? Where Simon has, has gone from being kind of a crappy magic user yeah. <laughs> to to being able to, to potently cast a spell magic in the moment that he needs it. Yeah. But that also plays off him being a sorcerer in that uh, his wild magic, it's it's a little uncontrollable. And uh, he hasn't quite mastered it yet. Mm. Okay. So kind of like what you were talking about earlier, that Mark, that... They must have got some pretty good experience points in the in the meantime. Because what would you say Simon is at the beginning of the movie, as far as level, as opposed to there at the end? Uh, two at the best. <laughs> yeah. And then at the yeah. end, seven, eight by the end. Right. I'm looking at those spells. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this is you don't attune to some like you know, crazy item and all of a sudden you just like, oh, here's 55,000 experience, you know? <laughs> um, well, technically they defeated the dragon, right? He doesn't have to be dead to be defeated. <laughs> so that's a whole big pot of experience points. I don't have a book here to check, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. They got I, all the experience from, you know, the undead, solving the undead thing, you know, right. knowing where to go. Yeah, that's uh, true. Okay. Um, but it's, it's, it's a lot of jumps, right? From From two to... Probably seven or eight. Um. Okay. So possible, maybe. Not entirely out of the realm, but uh, pretty generous uh, level up, right? Seems like. I, I, I mean, I guess if you wrap this all up as a campaign in its entirety, it absolutely happened, right? Mm. Um, they didn't show all the random encounters they had on the way to the graveyard and on the <laughs> way back. And yeah. all, all the other fights they had in the Underdark, getting yeah. in and out and, and all of that. So. Yeah. It's it's plausible. Yeah, I mean, you're showing the beginning to the end of the campaign, just kind of compressed. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I like it. Uh, but there's a cost, right? Um, Holga is stabbed with the blade of the the red wizard, which which we saw earlier when um, what's his name, Edgen's wife was killed by the blade of the red wizard. That it's incurable, and uh, the the wife died, and now Holga's dying. And they have the the thing of reawakening, and they were planning on using it to bring back the the dead wife, the child's mother. But here they, as Edgin and Kira are looking at Tolga, they make a decision. For me, there's a pretty emotional part. I mean, I even got a little teary eyed there um, in this part. Um, for you, Mark, what did you think about this whole? death scene i mean because holga dies right yeah um you know the flashback right Mm. that was pretty cool because for um for him it's about getting his wife back Mm -hmm. but his daughter never knew her mom all she knew was holga being her mom helping her walk the first time help you know doing all that stuff and i actually thought this was a little bit of a nod to onward and it's D and D story. Oh yeah, because that right because if you onward that 
yeah, it's real similar, right? Like, he wanted to meet his dad, but then in the end, he realized, oh, my big, big brother has always been my dad, and he didn't need to meet him. And so I think that's kind of what that was, is like a little bit nod how that worked out. And, and I, like you said, it was an emotional thing, you know? It was, I, I got emotional. I was like, oh, man, that's, that's a little powerful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he ends up saving someone who he knows means the world to his, his daughter. You know, not that his, you know, his wife didn't, but she never knew her. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked that. It, that tied in really cool. And I called it too. Like, uh, I, I said to myself, I'm like, oh, he's going to have to use it to save one of his friends. Like mm. from the beginning, like he'll never res- resurrect his wife. Okay. So. Mm. All right. What about for you, Harry? How'd you take this scene? Did it work for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Same. I was very emotional at it surprisingly because it's like, um, in just you know this this two hours, I got really connected to Holga, and uh, that flashback scene I think is what did it right because mm-hmm. this this sobbing you know preteen teenage girl um, is losing her mother right like Mark said she didn't know her mom she was just an infant when when her mother her birth mother was was killed but she's grown up with Holga and um, they have this great relationship and now she's dying and this child is is heartbroken um and and i was saying that i was like oh he's gonna have to use it now he's gonna have to use it now um you know wife for you or holga for her um you love your daughter you're gonna have to use it yeah yeah we're all dads of daughters here right (laughs) i think we at least i tapped into that like oh yeah of course i'd do anything for her even if it's giving something up that i really really want you know it's it's almost it's not an easy decision, but it's a simple decision, right? Of course, I'm going to do that to help to give her what she needs. Um, so, um, yeah, I agree. It, it worked for me too. I agree with all you guys, what you guys said. And even throughout the movie, I was like, well, that's cool that he can bring back his dead wife, but it's been like, it's been a while. How are they going to do that? Is she going to be all moldy and <laughs> like those guys that were buried in the coffins or like how reawakened is she going to be? Is she going to be new body or just old body that's, that's moving around? I don't know. It was just a lot of questions. So I'm glad I didn't have to see that. Uh, and I, th- I think, uh, Edgen made the right choice here. Um, and there was something interesting that, that happened earlier. Um, uh, Zenek, he said something to, to Edgen. He's like, you know, this life is just one of the many planes of existence. Mm, yeah. You know, don't be so hasty to bring her back from where she's at. Um, which is goes, you know, straight into the lore and the the cosmology of the Dungeons and Dragons universe, where you know where they're alive is just one of the prime material planes, and then people pass on to to a uh, a paradise, basically, depending on on who they worshipped in life. Um, and she was definitely a good person. So she was at a really cool place, you know, basically, you know, eternal paradise. Um, and he's going to drag her back to this, this kind of broken and dark worlds. Um, so there, there's a little bit of a dilemma there. Um, I don't know how many people picked up on that when he, when he talked about that, but that's definitely something that players, um, of Dungeons and Dragons know about, right? The, the multi-planar view of the, the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, I picked up on that, but with that background, lack of background knowledge, it's it, it didn't really hit home till you explained it. So yeah, definitely, if she is in a better place, it seems like. Um, so at some point, uh, Forge is is killed, right? Because that breaks the spell on the the previous king who wakes up and restores everything. And no, not Forge. Forge doesn't get killed. Um, Sophina oh, gets Sophina killed, gets and that killed. breaks the spell. Yes, that's right. But doesn't Forge. he die in the He's in take, the extra scene? He goes to the prison, right? Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That he great does. pseudo prison break scene. <laughs> and he 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 had the same Jonathan plan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't work. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're never letting anybody escape through that window again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. So we, they kind of do a a catch up scene, right? Like uh, Simon. What happens to the players after after the the missions over, the campaigns over? Uh, they're sitting there watching in the fireworks. Yes. yes. Um, from from um, Doric's home in the in the forests. And they're all just sitting there, kind of talking and and uh, watching the fireworks. And um, Simon kind of hits on Doric and is like, "Hey, I'm not so bad anymore, right? <laughs> maybe we could try this again." And yeah. you know, she's kind of like, "Well, yeah, maybe." Yeah. Um, and you know, just everything's right with the world in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the campaign ends well overall. It's a, it's a success. Everything's put back to normal or how it needs to be. Uh, we do have the the mid credit scene where they didn't finish asking <laughs> the five questions to the deceased and buried guy warrior, so he's just sitting there hanging out waiting for another question. <laughs> oh, like I said, that whole that whole sequence in the graveyard was just so much fun. It was just yeah. so funny and silly, and and then that guy sitting there, you know. Like, hello, anyone? <laughs> Someone asked me a question. <laughs> Please? Yeah. Oh, darn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was good. So overall, we liked it. Um, a lot of great things that we've just talked about. Um, went on a little longer than I had anticipated, but I don't feel like we drug anything out. I thought it was a lot of great stuff to talk about in this movie. Um mm-hmm. So we've talked about all the good things. Any negative or maybe not negative, but just like, uh, I don't know about that type moments. For me, it was, like I said, they were they didn't have a lot of time, but yet they were traveling here, traveling there by horseback or foot, right? And that takes several days. So, um, But other than that, it was fine. Any, any moments like that for you guys? Uh, I, you know, I didn't mind the traveling because it plays just – like a Forgotten Realms movie you, or game, right? You can click where to go. Six days pass, yeah. 10 seconds later. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was okay with that because like, oh, I just like the dump of the games. Um, right. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think the, the only thing that really bugged me, I think and we kind of covered this before, that I just, I don't know, didn't put together, was the daughter's reluctance, like, was mad at the dad right like he gets back hadn't seen him for two years it's like wouldn't talk to him wouldn't look at him it's like i I don't think that's realistic 
um, mostly because I'm a dad with a daughter, yeah. you know, and, um, I, I don't see my kids for 45 seconds because I'm going to the bathroom. I come out and you see it's gone for two years. So if I was actually gone for two years, I could imagine. Um, yeah. So that's the one part I had a hard time connecting with, you know. Um, I get, you know, she was lied to and all that stuff, stuff. But I don't know. That's the only thing that I just couldn't wrap my head around. Everything else was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's fair. I agree. I see what you're saying there. Uh, Harry, what about for you? Anything? Um, I'm with Mark on the travel thing because I hate dealing with it in our games. I'm the dungeon master and it's always like you start here and you end up here and nothing happened in between. Um, so, I mean, to me, that was another kind of joke about how campaigns go and how adventuring days go where Mm -hmm. the dungeon master doesn't want to roll 45 times on a a random encounters table (laughs) to see what happens and spends, you know, six hours dealing with these encounters that are meaningless when you're just trying to get to the dungeon. Yeah. Just because you keep rolling high and, you know, every two minutes, another group of bandits shows up. Um, <laughs> so t- yeah. to me, it was kind of a joke, right? They're like, you know, um, this is the way every DM wants to play the game um, versus how it actually plays out in real life. Um, I don't I don't know. Um, I just I had such. Uh, a good time watching the movie that I don't really have anything negative. Yeah. I've read a few from other people and um, online, and, and I watched a video where somebody had a few negative comments, and I just like I was like, dude, if that's all you've got, <laughs> you're really stretching that to turn it into a negative. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a little bit of hand wavium magic, right, to make sure everything happens, but it's like it's a fun D and D game with um, where the the dungeon master wants the party to succeed. And kind of nudges them along when necessary to make sure that the story is super fun and ends up successful. And uh, I don't know, that's kind of the way I play. So I just loved it. Okay, good. So um, one thing that has come out, has come become clear to me in this episode is I need to play Dungeons and Dragons more because I don't know. I knew I didn't know very much, but I really don't know anything. <laughs> so... Uh, I do have the Baldur's Gates app on my iPad that I downloaded a year ago and started it. I mean, so that's the first thing I'm going to do is start playing that and get myself reacquainted again. So, uh, cause it's, it was a lot of fun watching that movie and what little knowledge I did have. I was like, Oh yeah, that's cool. I like the Baldur's Gate, uh, you know, this and that. So I'm definitely going to start involving myself more. I don't know if I'll be able to play a campaign. I mean, I want to, but I don't know a lot of people that do. And I know there's the online stuff, but I don't know. We'll see. But hopefully I'll be able to get some live experience soon. Uh, you, Harry, you play often? Regular? Uh, not as regular as I would like, as my kids are in college and they're part of our family group. So um, it's, you know, we can't always get together because we do it online. Um, all three of them are out in Utah. So, um, but we play once or twice a month on a Sunday night for a couple hours. Um, and I run a couple games a year for nephews, nieces and nephews, at, like family, you know, like holidays. Um, that's a must. Um, so I, I, I would play more if I had more time. Um, I, uh, because I've been a dungeon master for the past two, three years now, and I haven't gotten to actually play in in fifth edition as a player um but i recommend it for anybody because you can create your own honor among thieves movie um by playing this game with your friends 
you create this random group of characters and you go have some crazy hijink adventures and you try to figure out wacky zany ways to overcome obstacles and nutty things happen and you know like uh um edging rolling a one to to sever the bonds when he's trying to escape where holga is rolling a a whole string of nat 20s (laughs) and just being super successful um go ahead mark sorry that brought up another thing i didn't like when she put on the armor oh right well you see that it she didn't really like it, right? And it comes right off as soon as that fight scene's over. Um, she's a true barbarian where she realizes this armor's not helping me and it's got to go. Yeah, because she, you know, she put the shield on right in her back and she put the shield right. on. And I was like, wait a minute, barbarians <laughs> don't wear armor. Like, every time I try to equip it, it says, cannot equip. <laughs> <laughs> well, you notice as soon as she puts that shield on, she gets bashed right in the back and, like, launched yeah. across the room. and. And uh, so the pieces of armor she's picking up don't really seem to help her that much. Um, But, yeah, I recommend anybody that – I recommend Dungeons & Dragons for anybody. Um, Get a group of friends and and just have a good time because it's nothing but good times when you play. Yeah. What would you say the the least amount of players you could play with and have it still be fun? Three. Three. At least three. Yeah, we played for over a year with just my wife and daughter. Well, um, well, her, my son and now daughter-in-law were on their missions, mm-hmm. um, so they were you know gone for eighteen months, two years, and we played that entire time just with two. Um, they each had two characters, so there was four, four you know characters in the game. Yeah. Um, so you could do that. Um, uh, but there's even one of the starter sets has some rules for playing with single characters, like just two people, a dungeon master and one player. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Re- looked at them yet but it's definitely it's uh it's a possibility Hmm. okay because the game's very scalable right it is what you make it um you don't throw a hundred goblins at two players Um, (laughs) i mean it'd be funny yeah (laughs) but they're not going to survive but you know a little little ambush with four or five goblins and and two players uh, that's you know you just play a different type of game and you write different types of adventures but it's it's possible Okay. What about for you, Mark? When's the last time you played or done something? Um, I played, so when we were get going to get that group together, mm-hmm. um, we played two times. Uh, so we rolled up our characters and everything like that and tried it and got it, and then we played twice. And <laughs> it was just so funny because TJ never played before. Right? He's never played. And so... <laughs> I don't know what his problem was, but like everywhere we went, like he'd be, <laughs> he'd be like, "Oh yeah, hey, where, do you know where this place is? Great, I give you a piece of silver." I'm like, "What is wrong with you? <laughs> we're like, we're gonna go. Give me your money, you know." And so I started still, like holding the money, <laughs> like he kept giving things away. I'm like, "You're so dumb." <laughs> I couldn't even play with the like because I was like, "We've got like we'd go somewhere," and I'm like, "All right." Uh, you know, oh, I need a potion. He's like, oh, I gave it to that guy. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna kill you. You know, like, <laughs> crit strike on my own player, my own teammate, please. But it, it was, it's fun. Um, I want to play more. Uh, we played with a guy named Eric. He he seems like a re- he'd be a really fun um, DM. Uh, but they're up for playing again. You know, so if like we can ever get a time, I think their thing is if we can get a time together, it'd be yeah. fun to play. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If you start talking about it again, let me know. It'd be fun. Okay. 
All right, so we all like the movie. Give it a high grade. Uh, go see it again if you haven't. I'll definitely be buying it on digital when it comes out. Watch, make my wife watch it. <laughs> I told her she'd like it, but she's like, oh, it's, it's too nerdy. Like, You're a nerd. You're a nerd. You should go watch it. Come on. <laughs> so, All right, guys. So we thank you for joining us here on the Credible Nerds podcast. It's a long one. But uh, good conversation. I enjoyed it all. Enjoyed having Harry and Mark here with me to, like I said, uh, teach me because I obviously I don't know much about Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> so I need to up my experience points, get some more nerd cred in the Dungeons and Dragons realm. So, <laughs> any final thoughts on the show that before we wrap things up? Go see the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got to say. Go see it. It's fun. Even, yeah. you know, even if you're not into D&D, it's just a fun movie. Yeah, I agree. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. And stay tuned for our, our next podcast episode coming out soon. But uh, we, wanna pre- we appreciate you guys uh, listening and watching. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. It helps us out. So thanks, guys. And we'll talk to you later. See ya. See ya.